Well, happy Valentine's Day. Now, if I'm the first one to say it to you today, I'm disappointed for you. <laughs> the only reason I remember was because I had to preach today and I worked out it was Valentine's Day. So Marilyn was nicely surprised when I said to her this morning, happy Valentine's Day. And she said, well, you know, we love each other every day, don't we? And I thought, mm, yeah, that's a good thought. That's a good thought. And I'm going to work on that. <laughs> Interestingly, but... You see, Valentine's Day actually is a day where, in the early church calendar, they celebrated St Valentine. There's a few traditions in there, but the primary tradition is, in about the 3rd century, when there's persecution going on against believers, Valentine worked hard at supporting those people who'd been under persecution, had been in jail. And because of that, he himself was imprisoned. And while he's in prison... The tradition suggests that he married couples who were in prison who wanted to be married and he, he went and did that. And so exhibited that sense of a, a characteristic of love which was which is really powerful. There's a, another tradition that says also while he was in prison under, under uh, arrest, he prayed for the daughter of one of the jailers who was deaf. And God blessed his ministry and that little girl, her, her hearing was restored... And he wrote her a note, and at the end of the note he said, Love, Valentine. <laughs> now, some people have taken that as a beginning of what we now see as a kind of this tradition about Valentine's Day. And while it's, of course, moved very much from that sense of self-sacrificial love to kind of romantic love, what I encourage me to think about is, as we think about Valentine's Day, the root of it is, the core of it, the base of it is, in fact, someone who was saying, I love you enough to put my own life at risk for you and to do this for you. We're beginning this series, and some already have because you've already got your, your study guide, you're already in a small group, or you're doing the, the personal devotional, and you've already recognised that that's what this is about. It's about love. Now, that's a massive topic, isn't it? I mean, we could spend a long, long time in that. And in fact, what we're going to do over these next few weeks for those who aren't in small groups or aren't doing the devotional study, let me encourage you to do that because it'll make more sense because we're going to pick up some particular issues about how we love each other in community and how we might exercise that, what the scriptures tell us about doing that. And in many ways, we're in a season when that's critically important. Victoria's locked down again. I don't need to tell you that. Uh, our news is full of it all the time. And some of us, we absolutely know how many extra people would, were tested positive over the last 24 hours because it might well affect family connections, weddings, funerals, holidays, all sorts of things. Our worlds have been so tipped upside down by this whole exercise. So the issue is for us, I think, in terms of in our current context, what does love look like in a COVID world? How do, we, how do we action some things which in some ways work against the stress and you I live under? And all that's in the context of who are we together. See, the scriptures remind us in Romans 12 that we actually belong to each other. There's this sense, this is Paul's deep, deep theology about who are we really as people. And it's so counterintuitive to the kind of world that you and I grow in, listen to, impacted by. It's this sense of we belong to each other. In fact, in that Romans passage, Paul goes on to suggest that you, you really can't do everything. There is no omnicompetent person. There never was, except for Jesus. 
There certainly was never any other human who can do it all. So we are dependent on each other. Now, in our best moments, we know that. But we also live in a society which talks about the sense of your self-actualisation, your self-fulfillment, your own personal rights, your own identity. There's a whole heap of, of statements which in kind of suggest to us that it's all about me. Not you. <laughs> it's all about me. You see, it's that, that, that world of which we're a part. Now, you only have to think again of the kind of advertisements, the articles, the things that you've even seen over these last few weeks. And in fact, that's so common now, we don't even pick up anymore. We, we, it's sort of it's just there. It's we've got to look after us. In fact, we have a sense of saying that I will only be happy when I'm OK, when I've got all that I want, when I've got everything in place that suits me. That's where true happiness is. You deserve it. <laughs> I love some of those ads that suggest that. You deserve it. It's for you. Now, I understand the need of marketing and silly things in our capitalist society, but we do well just to go, oh, hang on. Hang on. What's the underlying philosophy here? Because it's counter to what the scriptures say, and that's the truth of it. Jesus came and he was counterculturalist, and we need to be as well, even though that's a battle for us. So let's ask ourselves then this question. How are we going to do that in this COVID area? What do we need to do? What do I need? What do you need if we're going to live out the reality of God's love for us? Now, because I'm making the presumption that we will have a sense of God's love for us captured in Jesus and his love for you and for me. We've sung about it again today. We live in it, but we ought to not take it for granted ever. I'm always amazed, aren't you? I'm overwhelmed. In fact, we had a prayer time before the service, as is a custom here. And as others were praying, I was overwhelmed by the sense of the fact that God loves us so much that he calls us into partnership with him for the sake of others. As unworthy as you and I might feel about that. <laughs> it's a lovely statement, isn't it, about that? So what do we need? Four things this morning, very briefly. We need to journey with each other. I need people on this journey with me. That's what I need. I need people who are going to be with me on the way. It's a sense of why do we need that? Well, because it's safer. You know, none of us like going walking late at night on our own generally. That's not something we rush at. There are plenty of places where we say, oh, I don't like being here on my own. Thank you very much. So, so it's a kind of a sense of, no, I need people because it's safer for me. I also need people because it's supportive. There's someone there with me on the walk. If I trip over or I do something, uh, Marilyn and I walk often together and one of us makes sure we've got a, an, a phone with us so if one of us collapses, we can read the phone. Now, it hasn't happened yet and we're working on it never happening. But there's a sense of saying, yeah, we're going to be, we're there for each other. We're on the way. And the third thing is because it's just plain smarter. When you walk with others, others can help you. Hang on, is this the right track to take? No, no, this is the right track. There's someone else who's helping direct us. Now, if that's true in that ordinariness of life, it's much more profoundly true in the sense of our whole spiritual well-being. We need, we need to be there for each other. Hebrews 10 says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Notice it's a habit. It's something you do all the time. Instead, let us encourage one another. See, the writer of the Hebrews is saying, and he's not, does that mean this, what we're doing on this Sunday? It's great to be together, isn't it? No masks, we might get to sing again. Maybe. I was in Adelaide two weeks ago in a worship service for the induction of a new state leader there, and we sang, and I sang. I realised the first time I've sung in church for 12 months. 
And I got up and I, when they asked me to speak, I thanked them for that. And they were a bit shell-shocked because Adelaide or South Australia has not been in that same situation. But yes, there's this sense of we, we join together. But Paul, uh, but the writer of Hebrews is really not talking so much about attending worship services. He's talking about just being together, just joining. Don't give up the habit of connecting with each other. And we do need to hear that, don't we? Because in this day and age, you know that new word that's turned up, Macquarie Dictionary and others, ISO, <laughs> isolation, that, that whole sense of we are isolated from each other. Uh, in fact, we've had to be in some cases. But that it's a kind of a whole new world. It, all, it, almost, it almost justifies that sense of I am on my own, uh, that I... Uh, uh, there's no one there for me and I don't really need anyone else. And yet what we know is that's crazy. In fact, even in a crowd like this, because it's getting closer to the kind of crowds we're used to on a Sunday morning, it's not enough. Because none of us are going to speak to everyone this morning. We're not going to connect with each other. We just can't do it. And so there are going to be a sense of, well, where can I do that well? Where, where can I connect? Where can I be with someone where we can be encouraging each other? And, of course, that's why we're so important that we find that community of people, small group, whatever group that is for you, but that group who you find, that's where I can be supported, I can be encouraged. And I would encourage you, if you're not already in a group, to do that. Because, see, community is God's answer to loneliness. Community is God's answer to isolation. Now, for some of us, because of our personality types, uh, we just desperately need people. And for others of us, that's... Oh, I don't need people that much. But we'd all need people. We need each other. We need people in our life who will encourage us, who will challenge us, who will inspire us, who will walk with us on the journey. Here's this lovely verse in Acts 24 and verse 32. You know, Jesus has been resurrected uh, and the two of these disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus and, and the scripture says... Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Two people on a journey. That's what this is about. Who am I journeying with? And in the core of that is actually three people journeying together. And here is Jesus in their midst. That place where you and I can be on occasion where because of a common commitment to Jesus and openness to his direction and his leading, we hear the Spirit of God speak to us encourage us, challenge us. Now, we need that because we live in a world 24-7 where that is not the norm by any stretch of imagination. And if you think about it, if you were to plot what you watched this last week, what you read, what I read, what I watched, how, many, how much of that really would be giving the opportunity for the Spirit of God to speak into our worlds with someone else in a way that changes our journey? We desperately need, in this world, which is so hyper-connected, to actually be in situations where we're open to each other and we can hear each other and we can allow the Spirit of God to use that other person to bring us on. It's, it's critically important for us on that way. Second thing, we need to support each other. What I'm talking about here is we need people who are actually going to, in a sense, defend us, stand up for us, protect us, look after us, keep us on the track, watch our back for us, warn us. Philippians 2 and 4 says, look out for one another's interests, not just for your own. That comes out of that lovely passage in Philippians 2, where we get that picture of who is Jesus and how we ought to have that same kind of humility and mindset. Not about me, not about me, not about me, but it's about you. 
It's about you. You see, here's this, this issue we find so often in the, our society, which is about what I call meism. <laughs> it's about me. I mean, there is that. Is that a bank? I think it's a bank, isn't it, called the me bank? My goodness, isn't that? That's it. That's the high point <laughs> of where it is. Yeah, it's not about anyone else. This is about me. Now, it's not that we don't need to care for ourselves. I'm not, there's no denying any of that. But, but here's another way of mindset of thinking about this. I need to be in a place where I'm aware of what other people need and I'm not so contained with my own. I've found it helpful in this COVID time, hasn't it, when at different times we've been under some pressure to remind ourselves what's happening for other people, other societies, other countries in our world. And you go, oh, OK, that's given me some balance again. That's helped me get a bit realistic about what I'm facing. As tough as it is, it's certainly not as tough as others are facing. And that's the value in some ways of being there for each other, the sense of supporting, encouraging, modifying uh, some of those situations that we find. I love those neighbourhood watch signs. It's, it's still around, isn't it? It doesn't seem to be quite as strong, maybe because none of us are going anywhere. <laughs> that could be the reason. But I like it in the sense that, you know, I'm here to look after you. Actually, we've got a couple of lovely neighbours and we do that for each other. Uh, I'm going to be away for a couple of days. Could you put out the bins? Could you get the mail? Could you just watch? Lovely couple of one side of an Indian couple and they're just really lovely kind like that in a way. And we do that. They haven't been going to India recently, but in other times when they've gone, we've done that for them. It's that sense of, OK, what can I do for other people? Because there is a mutuality about it. There's a mutuality in a sense that says, uh, yep, we're here for each other. Hebrews 13.1 says, Keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. We're family. We're God's family. And therefore, we take care of each other. Now, can we take care of everyone? No. Am I responsible for everyone who's even here this Sunday morning? No, it's not possible. And if I kid myself, I can. I'm really not helping anyone. It'll just be dysfunctional. I won't get it done. But there are got to be a group of people. Who's that group? As you think about it, who is that group out of this community who you say, oh, they're the people. They're the people I'm supporting. They're the people who are supporting me. Boy, we need that. If I think back now over my faith journey, which is now quite a long one, I'm so grateful for various places, various times, God has put me in the community with a group of people who've cared for me, supported me, and been open to my support and care for them. You can't, we can't do it on our own. John 13, 35 says it so clearly. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the message. That's what we witness as we do this together. It's not other people don't care in community. Let's not kid ourselves about that. There's some good stuff happening. But here is the core that people would be aware. Hey, they're a group of people. Do you notice how they care for each other? You aware of that? What is that? Thirdly, we need to comfort each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Yeah, life is full of tough moments. We all know that. There would be no one in this room who hasn't gone through some tough moments, and I so appreciated the honesty the willingness of our friends who shared during January and shared their journey, their life journeys, as they shared with us some of that horrible, tough pain spaces they found themselves in. No, none of us, 
None of us are going to escape it. No matter what we might believe, no matter how much some people want to suggest that there's never going to be any tough stuff and how much we try and push it away, we believe medical science will solve our problems, we're actually going to eventually beat death. There's not going to have to be any pain in this world. <laughs> I, I understand why people want to say that, but it's just not true. And so because of that then, because it's not true, but we live in it, we develop a level of anxiety. And here's God's answer to us in terms of anxiety in this COVID period. How do I deal with this anxiety? Well, what I do is I comfort each other. We speak into each other's world. We support each other. I mean, if we think about even the history of the last couple of years for many of us, there have been hard places. The fact is it's going to happen. It's inevitable. We're going to go through tragedy. We're going to hit hard spots. There's going to be bad health issues. People are going to die. I mean, in our community, in our family units, in our spaces, that's happening, isn't it? So the question is, how do I, how do I prepare for that? Where, where do I... I can't insulate myself from it, but I can do something about it. And what I can do is... I can work at having a group of people who I journey with, who provide me with that support. And what's that support? <laughs> That's God's safety net. That's what I love about this. The, the scriptures are so full of just straight, clear wisdom. How, how do I cope in these anxious moments? There's others I share with. There's others I journey with. There's others I speak to. They listen, they pray for me, and they help mitigate against that, and they stand beside me. The Bible says, 1 Peter 3 and 8, you should be like one big family full of sympathy towards each other. <laughs> wow, that's... What a lovely statement. What a lovely statement for us as a community. Yeah, I can, I can hang on to that. I go to the centre. I'm a part of Dural because it's one big family and... We're full of sympathy for each other. Empathy. We recognise we're all human. We're all fractured. We're all failed. We're not going to set up any schedules or any standards which are impossible to meet that we can't meet personally. We're going to be there for each other. Fellow travellers, committed to Jesus, journeying with Jesus on this journey, being there for each other. Romans 12 and 15 says, but be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Well, one of the best places to do that is with people who know you well, who you know well, who understand you, who know something of your story and can therefore journey with you. And finally, we need to do mission with one another. Oh, can I just go back before I do that? I don't want to miss uh, this magnificent um, verse, John... 11.35, Jesus wept. Uh, I, I mean, what I've thought as, I, as I was preparing for something, well, Jesus, where, where do we see that? Uh, we, we hear it in the theology of Paul and James and the other epistle writers, but and then we see it so much in our Lord, don't we? The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He's there. He's at this death scene. He sees the torment of the sisters. He feels their anxiety and their ache and he stands beside them and he weeps. It's a wonderful picture, isn't it? This almighty, all-conquering Lord of the universe 
who stands beside you and me, almost arm around, weeping with us in our moments of weeping. There's the model for us. And then fourthly, we need to do mission with one another. Uh, what, what do we mean by that? It's a sense we have a life message that God wants us to share with the world. It's, it's implicit in who we are. It's, it's what Jesus came to do. As someone has said quite succinctly, God only had one son and he was a missionary. <laughs> he came. He came and then he commissioned us to do it as well. Now, it's not the easiest thing we've been asked to do, is it? To be, to testify, to witness, to declare. And I think, oh no, I'm back. I thought I just lost my power. There you go. That would be a bad moment, wouldn't it? Why would Satan want us not to talk about this, I wonder? <laughs> mm, I wonder. Except here's the key, isn't it? We came to faith because other people witnessed to us about the reality of Jesus. No one in this room has come to faith on their own. It's not that there weren't individual dreams or I read a scripture and that moved me, but then that was confirmed by the testimony of other people who out of their own life experience share the reality of Jesus. But it's hard to do. It's never easy to do. That's why Jesus sent out the disciples two by two. No lone rangers, you've got to do it together, support each other. And so here's the challenge for you and me as well. How do we do that? How, how do we support each other in this exercise? Philippians 1.27 says, You are working together and struggling side by side to get others to believe the good news. <laughs> That's the wonderful thing of it. We're, we're doing it together. And so we commit to do that together. And I'm encouraging the small groups even over this period. And those who aren't in a small group, but I encourage you to get the devotional book, this next seven days talks about this sense of us being in this together and how we share the wonderful partnership, the wonderful privilege of being able to prayerfully bring other people to a point of having a better sense of who God is for them. It's not that we'll actually be the ones who bring them to faith. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But here's the lovely privilege. That you and I, together, as a small group, as an individual, committed to say over these next six weeks, who is it that we're going to pray together for? That that person might, by the end of that six weeks, have come closer to understanding who Jesus is for them. It's a great privilege for us, isn't it? See, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. In spite of all the complexity and all the other voices and all the other noise and sort of that supermarket of spirituality that's out there from those who don't believe anything, those who believe everything, here is the core message. I am the way, Jesus is. I am the truth. I am the life. That's how you find hope in the midst of a hopelessness of our world that so many people face. Oh, to give them the security, the hope of knowing they're safe but more than that not only safe but also now a part of God's purposes not only for them personally but for us together what a privilege that's love a love that says I'm there for you because I want you on the journey with it's a love that says I want to care for you I want to support you I want to encourage you 
It's a love that says, how do we share this love that others might know too what we know? Let me pray for us. Father, we're overwhelmed again at the majesty of your purposes for us. Uh, as we touch even just briefly here this morning on it, we, we're reminded again of your love for us and the privileged place we find ourselves, that we've heard who Jesus is for us, we've had the opportunity to respond to his love, and you've placed us here at this moment in time in this community. And Lord, I thank you for that. And now, Lord, might you encourage each one of us individually and particularly as we meet together in our smaller groups to be sensitive to each other, to love each other, to support each other and to share that love we have for each other with others that they too might know. Father, thank you. Thank you for this privilege that is beyond measure, almost beyond comprehension, that which we live in day by day. Thank you. Spirit of God, now come, challenge, encourage, move us, that we might be the people you've called us to be, your family, the family of God here in this district. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.